Well, praise the Lord, saints of God. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Stroud, and I thank you so much for joining me once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, you're going to hear the message entitled, The Hole in the Wall. My friends, there is a hole in the wall, and we must move quickly to repair that hole, to cover that hole, because if we don't, the enemy will come in and bring death and destruction. We've got to get ready. So I pray today that you will hear this prophetic word of warning, correction, and also exaltation. God's really going to bless you. We're going to have a great time today. Don't forget to join us on our website 24 hours a day at www.kingdomrock.org. There you can find this message and a whole lot more. And don't forget to download and install the Kingdom Rock app on your mobile device so you can get us on the go. All right, without any further ado, here comes today's message entitled, The Hole in the Wall, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. All right, well, let's get into the subject, um, The Hole in the Wall. I do have scriptures for you today on the screen behind me. Some of them will be on the screen, then some um, that I'll give you will not be on the screen. But first of all, let's go to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel, the eighth chapter. Ezekiel 8. Ezekiel, the eighth chapter. And I want to show you about five verses here that talk about the hole in the wall. Now, I pray that you hear this. Everything is ordained of God. I believe even this rain is ordained of God today. In order for us to press into, in order for us to receive something great that God has for us, often there is a press. It doesn't come easily. There is a press. There is a press. And so today, as I press to deliver you what God, to deliver to you the word that God has given to me, I pray that you will also press to receive the word that God has given me to give to you. Does that make sense? All right. Ezekiel 8. I'm going to read verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, and then we're going to skip down to verse 12. And it says this. He said, furthermore unto me, son of man, seest thou what they do? Talking about the children of Israel, especially the elders of the children of Israel. He said, do you see what they do? Even the great abominations that the house of Israel committeth here, that I should go far from my sanctuary. But turn ye yet again and thou shalt see greater abominations. Now, here again, this is what the Lord's happening here. God is, or this is what is happening. God is showing Ezekiel a vision of about, about the state or the current circumstances of the people of God, of his sanctuary. We would say today of the church. He showed him what was hidden. He exposed a hidden thing. And this is what we're about to talk about today. God exposing. Now, remember, even now, as I'm saying the word exposure, I'm recalling to remembrance that God said that this is a season of exposure. 
the season where God will uh, open some things up, bring some light to some things. And so now, once again, I say thank you, great Holy Spirit. I was not aware of that. He orders our steps. So this message is, again, right on time. I needed that. Nobody else did. And so he's showing him, he's showing Ezekiel and showing us today the great state of the church. Something is going on that cannot be seen readily with the eyes. And so God brings Ezekiel uh, into a spiritual place. Ezekiel has a vision and, and God shows him what's happening in the interior of the sanctuary. Once again, he says, uh, even the great abomination that the house of Israel committed here, that I should go far from, um, uh, that I should go far off from my sanctuary. He said, they're doing some wicked stuff that is so wicked that uh, it's kind of like they want God to go away. Or what they're doing is so wicked or so vile that it's causing the presence of the Lord to leave. And you will find that today in many of today's modern day churches and around many Christian people. And what I don't want, I don't want us to think, okay, well, it's that church up the street. Is that church down the street? Is that church in California? Is that church in Detroit? Is that church overseas? No. You need to think about this, that church here in Bremen. Are you understanding? Because we are the church. Are you hearing? All right. It says, then it goes on to say, but turn yet, but turn thee uh, yet again. And thou shalt see greater abomination. Verse 7. And he brought me to the door of the court. And when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Verse 8. Then said he, to, uh, see, he unto me, thou, this said he unto me, son of man, dig down in the wall. And when I digged in the wall, behold, a door. Verse 9. And he said unto me, go in. And behold, the wicked abomination they, that they do here. In short, they were setting up idols and they were worshiping other gods right in the house of God. And here's the kicker, because it was not only going on in the house of God, it was also going on in their houses. Let's look at verse number 12. And then he says here, then said he unto me, son of man, hast thou seen? Uh, what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in his chambers of his uh, imagery. For they say, the Lord seeth us not. The Lord hath forsaken the earth. They say, we can do this because God does not see us. Now here again, here's God's holy people. God's holy people. And remember, God told us as well to come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Uh, and the Lord said he would receive us. Now, listen, once again, in short, you can't save someone when you're just like them. If you are both in the mud pit, how will you say to the one in the mud pit beside you, come on, let's get clean or let me clean you up. Let me show you the way out. Or how can two people that are in a burning building and the building is falling down with fire that's burning, how can one say to the other, I'm here to save you? And you're both still in the building with no plans on getting out. Somebody has got to be on the, somebody has got to be on the outside with a rope to pull them out. 
You must be in a different atmosphere in order to affect a change. And one thing is true. If you make a decision, they can make a distinction. Rather, if you make a distinction, they can make a decision. But if we are like them, we cannot affect the change in their lives. And this is one of the great things uh, that God was facing here, talking with the people of Israel about, because they were just, they were doing abominable things just like the world was doing. There was no difference between the two. All right, let's go on a little bit further. Let me show you some things in the word of God. Now, let's go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, Ephesians 4, uh, verse number 11. Ephesians 4, verse number 11, and uh, we'll go to verse number 15. Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 15. Are y'all still with me today? Are you pressing with me? Because there are so many that call themselves Christians, and, and they really may be Christians, but they are engaged in sinful activity without repentance. And let me tell you something, sin will take you a lot, lot further than you want it to, to go. It will cost you a lot more than you want it to spend. Sin will rob you of your fellowship with God and it will rob you of your fellowship with others, especially with the household of, of the saints of God. It will rob you. It may feel good for the moment, but it, its plan is to rob you, to take away the things that you hold dear. There in Ezekiel, they said, God doesn't see. We're doing it in the dark. Nobody understands or rather nobody knows what I'm doing. But God says, I see. And because this hole is in the wall, this hole is a breach. And the breach in the wall signifies um, that uh, if even if we're looking at back in um, Bible times when they had walls up around a city, if there was a breach in the wall, then that would mean that invaders could uh, come in and destroy what's on the inside. Sin will cause a breach. It will cause a breach and it will allow your enemy to come in and wreck the home. Remember, the Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill and to destroy. That is his plan. And he uses sin to knock down the wall, to destroy the wall so that he may come in and invade the home. Let's talk about the purpose of the church here in verse number um, in, in the book of Ephesians, verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 11 through 15, it says this. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and, and some evangelists and some pastors and, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up, say grow up, grow up up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now understand something in verse number 12, we can back up there for a second. It says, that these gifts, uh, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, were given for the perfecting. Now, the word perfecting is an on, means an ongoing process that has an expected end. Perfecting, or we can say completing, completing, which means that every member of the body of Christ, every follower of Jesus, ought to be in process of being completed. God is perfecting you perfecting you 
Now, this is not a passive work. This is an active work. That is, we are in agreement with the Holy Spirit. And we are allowing him to perfect us, to change us, to mold us, and to shape us. We are praying constantly. We are praying, God, if there's anything in me that is not like you, take this out of me. Because understand, if there is something in you that is not like him, then that gives an avenue for the enemy to come in and wreck the home. You don't want to be in battle, in warfare, in which you are in battle. You are in warfare right now. You don't want to be in battle or warfare and your shields fall down. Or there is a breach in the wall and the invaders come in and destroy. You want your shields up as high as they can go. As strong as they can go. But here again, once again, what sin does, the enemy allows sin, or rather we, if, if you're not careful, you allow sin to come in. And sin will just sip right through the walls and it will or slip right through the walls and it will entice you to do it. Now, once you do that thing, then you yourself will pick up an axe or a hammer and start chipping away at your own wall. And once you have chipped away at your own wall, the enemies on the other side that have been desiring to come in for a while, they then begin to come in and begin to wreck the house. You put the tool in your own hand for your own destruction. But the Bible says now that, again, that we are here, um, that the apostles, prophets, the, the pastors, the teachers, the fivefold ministry is here for the perfecting of saints. You are a saint of the Most High God. Do you agree with that? Why? Because of your actions? Do you act like a saint many times? No, I'm a saint. Why? Because God said that I am. And I must agree with what he said. I must agree what he said. Let other words be doomed. Somehow I want to use a, string, a stronger word right there, but I'm not. Let other words be doomed. What God said is truth. He says, I'm a saint. I am a saint. Are you hearing? So we are here. The fivefold ministry is here. One of our purposes is for the perfecting, for your completing, completing. That is, you need the fivefold ministry for completion. Are you hearing me? Yes. Now listen, verse 13. It says, till we all come in the, I love that word till, verse 13, till, which means that there is an ending point when training is over. There will come a time when training is over, when church is over, when there'll be no need for pastors, apostles, and prophets, and everybody. There'll be no need for any of those gifts anymore. There is a till point. Till. Till what? Till we all come in the unity of the faith unto the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man that's the completed man the body of christ becoming complete now remember jesus is the head of the church he is the head of the body we are the body of christ scripture says that we are the body of christ the church his bride is the body of christ and he is the head now when jesus comes back for his church his body is not going to be some um malformed um limp neutered sort of thing mound of flesh his body is going to be very strong and powerful to match the head and so what God is currently doing right now he is perfecting his church he is perfecting his body he is bringing us to bring us to completion and one thing that will derail or stop or hold up your perfecting process is sin 
When we yield to it, when we yield to that. Now understand verse 15 says, again, it says God wants us to grow up, that we may grow up into him in all things. Turn to your name and tell him we've got to grow up. We've got to grow up. Now here again, we are spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings. You live in a body and you possess a soul. And we were all meant to be led by spirit. We're meant to live by spirit down. You're not meant to walk by your body, by the feelings of your body, the dictates of your flesh. If that were so, then you would be some type of animal. Just walking about, just following the desires of your flesh. Oh, it looks good. Let me go get it. So you weren't meant to live by the dictates of your body. You were not also uh, meant to live by the dictates of your mind being analytical. Because there are some things in the word of God that make absolutely no sense. Are you hearing? That's when faith steps in. But we're meant to live from the spirit down, from your spirit man, the real you down. Where the Holy Spirit influences your human spirit and your human spirit influences your thinking, your soul. And then your body becomes, your body just does the will of the soul. But you're not meant to live through your body. You're not meant to live through your mind only. You're meant to live by your spirit that is governed and influenced by the Holy Spirit. Okay. So your body should be in in subjection to your mind, to your soul. And your soul should be in subjection to your spirit, man. Are you hearing? All right. Uh, Let's look at another one. I want to show you this as well. Romans 6, verses 11 through 18. Romans 6, verses 11 through 18. We're going to read a good bit of scripture today because I I have to get this to you so that we may be ready uh, for the time of refreshing that is coming, for the time of revealing of the Lord. That is coming. Verse number 11. This is Romans 6 chapter uh, verse number 11 through 18. Again, verse number 11 says. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead. Now, this is out of the um, New Living Translation here. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Do not let sin control the way you live. Let me read that again. Do not let sin control the way you live. One more time. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Let's stop right there for a moment. Now these are, this is talking to the church. Those that are truly born of God, those that are followers of Jesus Christ. The Bible was written to the church, not to the world. The Bible was written to the godly, not the ungodly. But here we find here the church in Rome that there were people, church members, the body of Christ that were uh, that were allowing sin to reign in them. Now, I love this because it, it gives uh, sin a personality. Sin is like a person. It is, it is a thing. It is a being. Look at verse 11 again. He says, uh, so you should consider yourselves to be dead uh, to the power of sin and alive uh, to God through Christ Jesus. Verse 12, do not let, that is don't allow sin, uh, do not let sin control the way you live. It wants to dominate you. It wants to rule you. It wants to bring you under in, its influence and control. Now, sin is a defeated foe. 
Here's a common mistake that many, uh, that, that many of us are making. We're trying our best to fight against sin when Jesus has already defeated it. He's already won the victory over it. He's already defeated uh, sin and held death in the grave. He's already defeated it. It's done. It's, it has been separated from you. It no longer has power over you unless you give it power over you. So if we're in a fighting stance against sin, we have our, our dukes up and we're trying to fight against it. You've already lost. Amen. It was already defeated by Christ. And now what we must do is what verse 11 says, consider yourselves to be dead unto the power of sin. King James says, reckon ye yourselves dead to sin. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, there was a woman, um, uh, college age, and um, she had herself uh, a young man, a, a boyfriend, and um, every once in a while he would pray, uh, play practical jokes on her. And uh, she never really liked it and told him to stop, 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 stop. One day he decided to play a very terrible practical joke on her. And, uh, and he did. And she was so angry. I won't get into the, to the parts of what exactly happened, but she was so angry uh, with that. Uh, after that moment, he embarrassed her so bad in front of her classmates and all that, uh, that she just considered him dead. Don't call me. Don't talk to me. She will no, long, no longer answer the phone, no longer answer his uh, text messages, emails, unfriended him, all of that stuff. You are dead to me. She broke contact with him. He would try to come around and do whatever, but she flatly ignored him. You are dead to me. But then she met another young man who was very nice and very honorable, um, and she was alive unto him. That is, she answered his phone calls. She answered his texts. She befriended him on Facebook. They had good conversations. They were a well. They were well. Look at the verse again. The Lord says, so, so, you, rather, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead unto the power of sin. I'm not listening to you. You will not influence me. No, I will not watch that channel. No, I will not go to that club. No, I will not snort that. I will not touch that. I will not do that. You are dead to me. You are dead to me, but alive unto God. Yes, Father, I receive from you. I hear your voice. I obey what you are saying to me. Dead to one, but alive to the other. This must be accomplished in the body of Christ today. But far too often, we are alive to sin and dead to God. And when that happens, destruction waits around the corner. We spend time with sin. We spend time nursing and talking to sin, going out to eat coffee or out to yeah, drink coffee with sin, going out to lunch with sin and, and thinking about it and meditating on it. And then when, when sin gets deep into your mind, into your thinking, you'll begin to act out what it says that it wants you to do. And we turn our backs in the process to God. God is saying, stop, stop, stop. But we're saying, oh, God, but it feels so good. When the Lord knows where that road is going to take you. And so he says, consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin. Consider it dead. 
consider it dead. Verse 12 says, do not let sin control the way you live. It is like a roommate that you've just kicked out uh, who influenced too much. You always put a lot of trash in the room, always kept up a lot of ruckus, a lot of mess. You put it out once, but you began, but it began to knock on the door. Don't you remember the good times we had? Let me back in. You remember, you know you want to. And you let that back in and it's going to wreck your house. It took a while to get it out if it actually got out. And you don't want to let that back in. And so it says again, uh, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give into sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument that is an instrument or a tool of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. I love that. Give yourselves completely to God. Are you hearing me? Give yourselves completely to God. Now, here again is another issue in today's modern day church with a lot of persons. People don't mind coming to church. They don't mind reading the Bible a little bit. But this giving yourselves completely to God thing is completely out of their league. They don't want to do that. But this is exactly what Jesus is calling us to do. Give ourselves completely to God. This is your goal. Giving yourself completely to God for his service. Ninety nine and a half won't do. You must give yourselves completely over to the service of God. Hallelujah. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Amen. Oh, isn't that one for verse 14? Sin is no longer your master. For you uh, no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Verse 15. Well, then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? And that was a question that many in the church, uh, even today, desire to do. Can I be with Jesus and still do what I want to do? Can I play, if, if you will, can I play the hor- the role of the whoredom act? Can I play the role of an adulterer on Jesus? Would he mind me being in his bed and slipping out in the middle of the night and going over with going out with sin? Because that's exactly what we're talking about. Would he mind me being intimate with him and then going out and being intimate with sin? They said, okay, we're not under, under the law. Can we, can't we keep on sinning? Can we keep on doing these things? Scripture says, of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God you were once uh, thank God, uh, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly, say wholeheartedly. wholeheartedly. There it is again. We wholeheartedly obey, uh, obey this teaching we have been given. Rather, we have yeah, given you, verse 18. Now you are free from, uh, from your slavery to sin. 
and you have become slaves of righteous living. Now notice again up in verse number 11 how it says consider yourselves to be dead. Now consider consider means that you're going to have to decide. Consider. You're going to have to think about this. Consider, I love the way King James says it. It says to reckon ye yourselves dead. Reckon. Reckoning. I love, I love that, way, that word as well because it's sort of a, an accounting term to reconcile. Or it is an accounting term to reconcile your accounts. That is way both sides. As God says, consider yourselves to be dead unto sin but alive unto God. You're going to have to decide. You're going to have to weigh both sides. You're going to have to weigh the temporary pleasures of sin or what, will be, what some would call the benefits of sin, doing what you want to do versus doing what God has called you to do. You're going to have to weigh it out and make a decision. If you choose to go the route of sin, it will bring you death. There's no doubt about it because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You're going to have to first count up the cost. Let's look at another one. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians nine. Now I want you to see this as well. Consider this picture. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 24 through 27, it reads like this. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize uh, that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose every purpose in every step i'm not just shadow shadow boxing i discipline my body as an athlete training it to do what it should otherwise i fear that after preaching to others i myself might be disqualified king james says it might be a castaway i want you to see something here he says that otherwise i fear that after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified or might be disqualified. After preaching to others, that is after his life is done, after the work is done. You've lived your entire life trying to do, trying to serve the Lord, but you've allowed these things to come in and these things can disqualify what you've been building. The word disqualify uh, means not standing the test, not approved, unfit for, uh, unapproved. Uh, it, it could also mean uh, reprobate, something that has now uh, been rejected in the presence of God. Is it possible to live a life trying to serve the Lord and have your works, works rejected in God? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Let's go for the next verse here. As we see 1 Corinthians uh, 3rd chapter, verses 12 through 15. Go ahead, Brother Nelson, and flip that slide for us. It says, verse number 12, anyone who builds on the foundation, which uh, anyone who builds on the foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. 
The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If your work survives, if if the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. Verse 15, but if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like uh, someone barely escaping through a wall of fire. Your works as well as mine. Everything we do for the Lord, when you stand before him, it will be, it will go through fire. It will go through his judgment and he will decide its worth and value. These things are determined by our motives and by our heart when we did it, as well as uh, the quality of our work. So some say, well, I'll just do anything that they won't mind. I'll just, I, I don't have to pray about it. I don't have to study. I don't have to prepare. I don't have to do all that stuff. I don't have to do it. Your work will go through the fire. Everything you do for the Lord will be judged. If your works burn up, well, you'll suffer, suffer great loss, but you'll still be saved. Are you understanding? Let's look at another. Let's go to um, 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse number five. And let me read this to you out of the Amplified Bible. Bring up that picture again one more time. Bring up that picture again for us one more time. What you want to build with are the precious materials, the gold, the silver, diamonds, rubies. That is, your heart is in the right place. You're following what God is saying. You're doing what he is saying. Your motives are pure before God. You're not throwing things together. Regardless of how many people watch it or how many people see it or how many people clap for you or how many people this and that and the other, that has nothing to do with the type of work that you do for him. If you're building your life, your ministry, your work with God on something that is made of wood, you say it's strong, it's a strong work, but it's made of wood. It's going to perish. Your intentions are not true. What you're doing is not true. And God said that work will not abide the fire. Your works, I'm not sure if you hear me or not, I'm just going to believe by faith that you do, that your works will go through fire. Let's go to the Amplified Bible. 1 Corinthians 4, chapter 4, verse number 5 says this. Uh, The Amplified, it says, So do not make any hasty or premature judgments before the time when the Lord comes again. For he will both bring the light Rather, for, for he will both bring to light the secret things that are now hidden in darkness and disclose and expose the secret aims, motives, and purposes of the hearts of hearts. Then every man will receive his due. Every man will receive his do what commendation from God. He said, I'm going to expose it first. It will go through fire. 
It will go through fire. Everything that you do for him will go through a refiner's fire. Now, what can contaminate your works for the Lord? An evil heart. What can contaminate your works for the Lord? Getting in sin, not repenting of the sin. For as we saw in the book of Ezekiel, some said, God doesn't see. I'm, I'm in hiding. Nobody knows. Nobody knows that, that I'm, I'm, I'm watching the pornography. Nobody knows that, that I'm slipping out on my husband. I'm slipping out on my wife. Nobody, nobody knows that, that uh, I go here and, and I gamble. Nobody knows that I have this and that going on. But God says, I see there's a crack in your wall. There's a hole in the wall. There's a hole in the wall. And so he gives us time to repent. He gives us time to get it right because everything, remember, sin has already been defeated. It's already been defeated. It's a defeated foe. But we have to come out from among that uh, to receive God's best for us. We will never receive God's best for us while we're entangled in the bed of sin. You'll never get God's, God, never get God's best while we're entangled in the bed of sin. We have to come out from that and be faithful to Christ Jesus. Now, the Lord knows that sin is able to entice us because there's something in us that wants that. There's something in you that wants that or else it would not be a temptation. So what the Lord is doing at this point, at this moment, if you allow him to, he's killing or uh, bringing death to those ungodly desires in us. And once those desires die, well, then there will no longer be a temptation to do it. In short, he's taking the taste out of your mouth. And once the taste is gone, you'll no longer have a desire to do it. It is no longer a temptation. It is not God's plan to remove temptation. Let me say that again. It's not God's plan to remove the temptation from your life, but to bring you above the temptation. The temptation, as long as you are in the earth, you will be tempted. Or rather, should I say, temptations will be here. As long as we are here, temptations will be here. But as God brings you above the temptation, that is that it will no longer have a pull on you. You will no longer have a taste for or desire for that. When that day comes, then you will see magnificent glory in your life. But you've got to give it to Jesus. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for the word of God that you gave us. Father, I pray that even as the rain comes, that it gives witness to the purification that you're doing in our spirit and in our soul. For your word declares that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And truthfully spoken, if we're not fighting against something or if, if we're not in some type of struggle, some breaking away, it could be very possible that that the person has become too comfortable in it. So, Father, I pray that you, first of all, take the desire out of us. Take the taste out of our mouths. That you would create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit in us. As you call us unto sanctification. As you call us unto holiness. You call us unto righteousness and to truth. You call us to come away from the things of the world. You call us not to be 
unequally yoked. You don't want us to be unequally yoked with the world. For it has, we have no fellowship with the works of darkness. But Father, we ask you to deliver us by the power of your Holy Spirit and to cleanse us. And this cleansing process starts, my friends, it starts with your confession before God. It starts with your confession before him. It starts with also renouncing whatever it is that has had a hold on you. So, Lord, I ask that you would deal with your people even right now in the name of Jesus. And if God is dealing with you, then just come to the altar right now. I'm not asking you to confess your sins before the church. What, Matt, what, what would that do? But I'm asking you to talk to Jesus about it right now. And deliverance continues at the altar. At the altar. There is mercy and there is grace that happens at the altar. As you talk to Jesus yourself, and as you confess it before the Lord yourself, and as you renounce it and turn it over to God, and just say, Lord, I renounce that. I renounce whatever that is. I renounce it. I turn my back onto that. I consider it dead. And I turn to you. As we just declare to the Lord, Lord, I, I've had my back to you, but I come back to you now. I repent of the sin. I, I, repent of, I repent of this thing that has had its hold on me. In your confession before him, not before the congregation, your confession before him. I'm telling you right here, right now, as God has given this word through this press, through the hell, through this distraction, this word has gone forth and you have to respond. And as you respond, you will find the help that you need. As you respond, you will find the help that you need. You will find the help that you need. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10 Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.